Good morning, church family. Love you guys. So grateful that you're here today. Oh, wait a minute. Let me let me let me start that over. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. No more outtakes. We're just gonna let it go. All right. Just just let it let it go there. Um, a couple of things I want to make sure that you are aware of. First of all, um, if you are in Northwest Kids, I want to make sure that you hear something real clear. We want you to. We're grateful that you're here. We're grateful that you are part of our service. And this is different for you in terms of being all together with your family. We think that's a good thing. We want you to be able to, we want to let you know that there's going to be an opportunity. We want you to see if you can remember two things from the message this morning. Then you can go over to Mr. Laird, Mr. Neal, Ms. Teresa, or myself, and we've got something for you. Okay, we have something for you. I'm not telling you what it is. So if you remember two components of the message this morning, you go to those the people that I listed and you tell them, what you learned this morning, what you remember, and then uh, we've got a little, little treat for you, okay? So make sure you do that, Northwest Kids. Um, I'm grateful uh, for the opportunity to be able to stand here today to open God's Word and look at you in your face and be able to talk about King Jesus. Um, I uh, have just been waiting for this day for a, for a long time, for a long time, as well as you are. So why don't you grab your Bibles, turn to First Peter. We're going to jump into that book. And we're going to be in this book for a long time. A special thanks to the Gilmore crew for welcoming us and praying for us this morning. And uh, grateful for that. I don't know if you, as you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever fallen off of your bike? Yes. yes. Yeah. Zoe, thank you. You said yes. And, and, and two weeks ago, over quarantine, excuse me, in quarantine, I bought a mountain bike. And I am just going to be a trail guy right on the tobacco trail. And so the... Two weeks ago, I decided to take my bike and go to a trail that's in my neighborhood, Cameron Pond. Across the street, I went down Cameron Pond Drive. I went to get onto the trail. There is a dirt section that's not yet been paved yet or, or is not ready. So there is a dirt section that goes on to a paved section. And so I had to ride on the dirt section, except the dirt section was not very kind to me. Uh, I uh, hit head I, I Actually, the tire dug in, and I did a complete flip, and it took me about 10 to 15 minutes to find my shoe. Okay? Um, I had a helmet on, but I want to let you know I saw stars. <laughs> I was a little dizzy. I had to call my 17-year-old son, Andrew, to come pick me up. <laughs> okay? And so, but, but, but in, in normal situations, when you fall off your bike, what is it? What do you usually hear from your parents or somebody? What do they usually say? Come, get, come on, get back on. Keep riding, keep pedaling, keep going, right? Well, in the book of 1 Peter, that's in essence what Peter is telling the, um, the disciples. There's a lot of challenges that are going on. There's a lot of turmoil that's happening. There's this thing called sporadic persecution. And Peter comes to him and says, I, I just want to, I want to, I want to encourage you just to keep going. I want to encourage you to keep pedaling. I know that there are heavy circumstances that are going on in your life right now. And I don't want the roller coaster of circumstances to determine your allegiance to King Jesus. I want the faithfulness of King Jesus to determine your faithfulness to him because he does not leave us nor forsake us. And doesn't turn his back on us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to dive right into this, this great letter. And again, what we're going to do 
is we're going to go very, very slow. I've got two verses this week. I've got three verses next week. Okay, next week, of course, we'll be on. We'll be back at worship at home, and then two weeks from now, we'll gather back here under the tent, and uh, we'll have service again. But we're going to do about three or four verses a week. Here's what happens when you get a letter or when you used to get a letter. But when you used to get a letter, what would you do? You'd take that letter, you'd open it, and you would read the entire thing from beginning, dear, whatever, all the way to the end. You would read that letter all the way down to the end. So what I want you to do is to treat this letter the same way that you might treat that letter. I want each and every week for you to read this letter all the way from beginning to end at least once a week. Love for you to cover the whole entire letter to just understand what Peter is trying to communicate. And then what we're going to do through life groups and also through our Sunday morning gatherings is we're going to break it down in smaller chunks. And so when you read a whole letter, a lot of times you'll read the whole letter and then maybe you'll go back and you'll read it again. And maybe you'll go back and read it again. And then there are certain parts of a letter when you get a letter that you go back and you read and you focus on. So you read the entire letter. That's sort of what a, chal a challenge I want to make to you. You read the whole letter, and then we're going to break it down together on Sunday. So let's go ahead and uh, do that. Now, our outline, I put it in the worship uh, in, in your resource, the Church Center app. And it's basically the author, the reason, and the lessons. The author, the reason, and the lessons. That's what we have for you this morning, okay? So let's go ahead and jump in. We know that who wrote the book of First Peter? Say it. Peter, oh, there, there was good. That's good, okay? So we know that Peter wrote the letter, this letter, and he wrote this to a group of people that are spread out all over modern-day Turkey, okay? Modern-day Turkey. Hannah, you did a great job breaking down those cities. That was really good. Good job breaking down the, the cities of where they were. So this is modern-day Turkey, okay? This is a predominantly Gentile area, but now the church has been dispersed and so there's all kinds of, there's Jewish folks involved, there's, there's Gentile people involved. And so it's in this area, sort of out on the outskirts of, of, of Rome, as we see. So let's take a look at who, who Peter is. Peter was introduced to King Jesus by his brother. Who's his brother? Somebody say it. Andrew is his brother. Andrew in the Bible is known for bringing people to Jesus. He did that quite regularly. So Andrew brings his Brother Peter to Jesus and says, hey, I think we found the Messiah. That's John chapter 1, 41 through 40, 45. And so Peter comes to know Jesus because of his, his brother. And then also Peter had a profession. And what's his profession? He was a? Okay, that's good. You're with me now. He's a fisherman. So Peter is a fisherman. We know that in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 1. So, so Peter's a fisherman. He says, drop your nets and follow me. And this is what he did. Immediately, he started to follow Jesus. There's also some things that we know about Peter. I'm going. Uh, I'll check the battery really quick. It's battery. Can you hear me? Oh, hello. Copperleaf, can you hear me? Will, don't want to make make your neighbors mad. but <laughs> Okay, so here we have, we have Peter. So what do we know about Peter? First of all, Andrew introduced, Andrew introduced Peter to Jesus. We also know that Peter was a fisherman. And we also know a couple other things about Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, Peter uh, was confronted 
with a question by King Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, hey, Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living. That's what Peter confessed. Now, there's a lot of debate over what that term means and even what uh, what the meaning behind that was. There is a belief that Peter would be um, the first pope. But what they were basing the church off of is not Peter. They were basing the church off of Peter's confession. Peter's confession is, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the basis of the church. That's the message of the church. That's it. Laird, I've been waiting a long time for that. <laughs> and so here, here we have right now, we, we, we have an opportunity right now for us to see that Peter Confess that you are the Christ of the Son of the living God. Well, let, let me just go a couple of chapters later. And this servant girl comes and talks to Peter and says, aren't you with him? And Peter goes, uh, no, I'm not. And then somebody comes up to Peter again, right before Jesus was crucified, said, aren't you with him? And he says, no, I don't know him. That was the second time. But you know, there's a third time. And what I want you to know and I want us to know is that the grace of God allows us to fumble the ball, allows us to drop the baton. Because, listen, Peter's a lot like us, right? It's up and it's down. It's up and it's down. And then we can see how God used him in such an incredible way. And I just hope that gives you great encouragement to know that God, God used him. And, and so Peter really... We can see he had some wavering, some up and down in his level of commitment to the Lord. And then all of a sudden we see that we see this book and we get to the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1 through 10, we see Peter just preaching like a madman. And thousands upon thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus because of the Holy Spirit convicting their hearts, causing them to repent and believe in Jesus because of the words that he was speaking um, that God was speaking through him. And, and, and Peter was, was tasked with bringing the gospel to the Gentile world. That's what his task was. Paul was responsible, excuse me, Peter was responsible for bringing the gospel to the Jewish community, and, and Paul was responsible for bringing it to the, to the Gentiles. Okay, so, so you have this, and so all when we, we see this, this sort of resume of Peter or, 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 or looking at who he was, but then we have to ask the question, why was he writing this book? What was the person? What was the reason? What was the problem? What was going on? And what, what was really taking place really in the book of, of 1 Peter and what was taking place is, like I said earlier, there was great, great persecution that was going on. There was a lot of new believers. There, a lot of new believers. And what happens to a new believer, this is what should happen. When you come to faith in Christ, your life should change. Your life should change. That's that's really what Peter is sitting there saying. So what's going on is they were partying, they were carousing, they were running around, and they were doing all those things. And then they got introduced to King Jesus, and their lives drastically changed. The culture that they were in, they were not very happy with this. Even their family was not very happy with this. So basically, they were, they were being persecuted. They were being bullied. They were being made fun of. They were like, you're weird. You're an outcast. Why are you doing such, such and such things? You used to do this with us, but now you're doing this with us. Why, why are you doing that? Why are you settling for that? Why would you do that? And so they were very, very discouraged. 
Because the circumstance that they were in, listen, the circumstance that they were in caused them to believe that God did not care about them. And that's simply not true. It's not true then and it's not true today. It's just not true. They believed that their their circumstance really determined that God was upset with them or that they had done something wrong. Here it is right now. They were living in an area that was not their home. That's the issue. So we jump in and we take a look at what's going on. Well, well, here's, here's God. God is saying, I am going to leave and I'm going to give a baton to keep the church and the message of the church going. And I'm going to give it to this guy named Peter. And Peter comes in and what he hears is he hears something very clear. He hears that a lot of those folks are really discouraged by what's going on. Have you been there (laughs) for five months? I mean, there were situations with jobs and situations with marriages and situations with work and situations with, I mean, he comes into uh, chapter three of Peter and he, he addresses the role of how do you work and submit to government authorities? How do you work and live as a married person? He's, he's addressing all of these things within the family, within your work, within the environment, within the culture. That's what he's getting ready to address. But here's what Peter hears right now. He hears that a group of people who have pledged their life to Jesus are radically discouraged. And under the power of the Holy Spirit, he senses it's time for me to write them a letter. I need to write them a letter. And I need to write two letters because he does write two. And he writes those two letters and he writes it to encourage them. And here's how he encourages them. First thing he says to them is he says, you are the elect exiles. We're going to break those two words down. And right here, right now, we're going to solve the uh, theological belief in election right here, right now. Are you ready? When the Bible preaches election, that's what we preach. When the Bible preaches, choose this day whom you will serve. That's what we preach. And I'm, un- I'm comfortable being uncomfortable, okay? But here's what it says right clearly that you are elect before the foundation of the Lord. You are elect exiles. What it means here is that God chose you to be a believer in him. That choosing is unconditional. It is nothing that you have done that says, oh gosh, he chose me. It is unconditional. There is nothing that you could do that caused him to choose you. You are elect before the foundation of the world. So here's what's going on. They're radically discouraged about everything that's going on. And God says, I want you to know that God chose you. I want to encourage you. He chose you. He has not forgotten you. And that's really what he's telling us too right here, Northwest. Not forgotten about us at all. And he wants to encourage us as a body to remember that you have been chosen by God. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been chosen. You want to know if you're chosen? Get saved. <laughs> Repent and believe. Here's what I have a quote for you right now. What then should I do? He asked, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Acts 16, 31. That's how you begin to confirm your calling and election. Second Peter 1, 10. If you will embrace the Savior, you will confirm that you are elect and you will be saved. He not only goes in and talks to them about, hey, I want to encourage you. You are elected by God. God chose you to be saved. Ephesians 1, 7 says he chose. That's present tense. He didn't choose you because he knew what you would choose. 
he chose. And then also we go down to, he says, you are elect exiles. When we look at an exile, we also, other versions of the Bible calls, says that you are an alien. Who in the world is your favorite alien, Northwest kids? <laughs> okay. Okay. I would tell you this right now. For me growing up, I got to tell you right now, E.T. I mean, E.T. was has to be the best one. So as a family, and later today, you can talk about your favorite alien. So what he means by this is you are in exile. You are an alien, which means, this is what it means. Listen to me. This is not your home. Don't try to pretend that this is your home. You're simply just passing through. I want to encourage you that all of the sporadic persecution that's coming your way and all the things that are going on right now, he chose you before the foundation of the earth and he has placed you as, as an alien. This is not your home. This is your mission field. This is where I've sovereignly positioned and placed you for a reason, but I want you to know this is not home. And every single day we get closer and closer and closer to the day that we get home. We can go home. So that's what he's telling us right now. That, that's what he wants to do. He wants us to hold fast. He encourages them by reminding them that they are elect before the foundation of the world and that they are aliens or they are exiles. So that's how he encourages them. So then he goes down into the text and he says, how does this election take place? And he goes to, he goes to the Trinity, he goes to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, God the Father has elected you. The Holy Spirit is here to sanctify you. That means to clean up. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to purify you. And that's a lifelong process. We call that here progressive sanctification. I mean, it's a lifelong process. You know that as well as I do. So he's going to continue to cleanse us. The Holy Spirit cleanses us. And then he says, the Son of God, Jesus, has provided you with forgiveness of sins because he talks about the sprinkling of the blood and wants us to be obedient to that. So, so how, does this, how does this election take place? God the Father has foreordained us to be saved. God the Holy Spirit is going to cleanse us. And God the Son has provided us forgiveness. And that's what he says. That's what he wants it. And then right now, I think the, the, the last part of uh, verse 2, um, he says this, May grace and peace, listen, this wrecked me this week. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Listen, there's not a person in the Bible that we study other than Peter who's experienced this type of grace and peace. And when he thinks of this grace and peace, it's not added to him. It's multiplied. I mean, it, it has gone above, above and beyond because that's who God is. And he looks at him and he says, hey, listen, I want to encourage you right now that you are so overwhelmed with all the things that are going on. But I want you to remember your election. I want you to remember that this is not your home. And I also want you to remember that grace and peace, may it be multiplied to you. And if you're honest and I'm honest, we can sit back and we can celebrate that God's grace truly has been multiplied on us, even in this season, if we're honest. Sometimes those situations and circumstance kind of cloud it, and sometimes the prayers get subsided because of the situation seems so dire and so heavy that the prayers subside. But, but what, he, what he comes to tell us right now is, my prayer for you, North, my prayer for, 
for you, you um, to those disciples. And my prayer for Northwest is that you would experience that God's grace would be multiplied. His grace and peace would be multiplied, not simply just added. And so what are our lessons? What are the lessons that you and I can learn through this? I think number one, it's a continual reminder that God is good and that we love him. That's the challenge that we have right now. We want to love God because when we love God, the natural overflow of that is to love others. So we want to continue to love God. And number two, I think the the thing that he wants us to understand is I want you to live an odd life. You're an alien. You are an exile. This is not your home. You are supposed to stick out for the things that you do and the things that you don't do. And this is what he wants us to know. Live an odd life and be okay with doing that. There's a quote for you. Our joy and hope are not tied to the roller coaster of our circumstances, but rather our steady and dependable, loving, secure, gracious relationship with the God who is with us and for us forever. That's what he, that's what he wants to see. And so, and so when we talk about the roller coaster of cir- circumstances, what do they normally do for us when we apply this? What do the roller coaster of circumstances, what do they do for us? Two, two things. They either bring us to God or they help us to go away from God. My question is, what will it be for us? What, what will it be for us? What will it be for you? What will it be for me? What w- will it drive us closer to him? Will it drive us away from him? My, my hope and my prayer is that it would continue to listen to Peter and, and pray that it would drive us ever so closer to him. It would drive us closer to him. Um, the, the question that I want you as a family to think about is this. How do you react when suffering comes? And how could you live as aliens today in today's world? That's the question I want you and your family to talk about on the way home, around lunch, whatever the case might be. I want to use a question to really help us dive deep into First, first Peter. I, I, th- I think um, when we look at this, it's not our day. No batteries. All right. I will enunciate. <laughs> so here, here's here's what I want here's what I want us to learn. I'm I'm worship team coming up front. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and start singing again. But when we dive into the book of First Peter, it is incredibly important for us to understand the challenge and the exhortation to endure to persevere. Are you there? Okay. It's incredibly important for us to understand the the importance of sin. Okay, God, you're using Peter to encourage us that we are chosen for the foundation of the world, that we are aliens and living here. So let's continue to love God. Let's be content with living in Allah. We we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And what Peter is reminding those disciples and what he's reminding us to do is, hey, I want you to hold on. I want you to get back on the bike. I want you to keep pedaling and keep thriving and keep loving me and loving other people for my glory and your good. And I want you to keep doing that. So let's get back on. Let's keep riding. Let's keep pedaling. Let me go ahead and pray for us right now. Listen, Northwest kids, if you, again, if you, if you remember two things from the message today, we'd love for you to go see Mr. Laird, Mr. Neal, and Miss Teresa and get a little present for yourselves.
Guys, guys, I love you. I thank you for being here today and continuing to look at First Peter. Um, let me go ahead and pray for us. As Scott and the team get ready to lead us in some more singing, okay? Why don't you go ahead and stand for me right now? God, thank you. Um, thank you for gathering our family back together. Thank you for providing us a family and thank you for allowing us uh, to be here and be together. Uh, we are grateful, grateful for the opportunity to praise your name, to listen to our family sing. Lord, I'm grateful for that lady that was just running on the sidewalk and started singing one of our songs with us, with her hand raised in the air. I just thank you for that, <laughs> that testimony of our church and Lord, just how you have used her to encourage us today. So Lord, I pray that you would be with us today. Encourage us, help us to remember that you have not forgotten about us and help us to endure, endure to the end. For this is not our home. You have a home waiting for us. And Lord, in the meantime, let us be faithful here to, the, to do the task that we've been left here to do, to make much of you for your name's sake. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen.